When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. All right. Now joined by the man that has lived the life that we've all wanted to be front and center for the Arizona National Championship, front and center for Arizona basketball color analyst games, and the man that also dropped a three-pointer on Reggie Geary in practice one time, the great Ryan Hansen. Hello, Ryan. I love that intro, and my favorite part was dropping a three on Reggie Geary. It only happened once, but it did happen. The best best defensive player in school history, you can tell your kids, you can tell your grandkids. You say, you know, you see that man right there? Look at me. That's three points in the bucket right there. Love it. Love it. So, Ryan, let's uh, let's get to it. To me, when I look at it, Arizona preseason number 17 in the rankings. And this goes to show me that Arizona now, under Tommy Lloyd, has full respect from the national media. And here's what I mean by that. When you lose a Benedict Matherin, when you lose a Dalen Terry, when you lose a Christian Coloco, and you bring in a lot of guys, but unproven, but talented guys, and the media still says you're still a top 20 team, that to me is a national media that has bought in on Tommy Lloyd and the Arizona program that he's running. Recognizing what Tommy's been able to do is is pretty impressive. And I couldn't agree with you more when you when you really take stock of what Arizona lost, uh, not only lost three draft picks, lost arguably the three most athletic players on their team, maybe in their position right. in their own conference. And, you know, in some cases nationally, is there a more athletic center last year than Christian Coloco? Uh, guess what? He's starting in the NBA. Right. Look at what Ben Matherin is doing. He's torching people right behind Paolo Banquero in regards to points. Uh, and we'll, we'll get all the national spotlight because of that. But uh, shifting back to what Tommy has has built here, what he is working on and building, I think is probably the right phrase. He's not done yet. There's a lot to be to be done. But the core of the guys that are coming back, the respect for what Tommy was able to turn around so quickly uh, is definitely catching the eyeballs of people nationally. And I think you, me, and the locals here in Tucson, we did see it early. We mm-hmm. saw it last fall with Tommy. And I think the, the Las Vegas party that we had when, when Arizona was able 
Let's see here. You cut out for a second, Rhino. There you Sorry go. Sorry about that. I'm back. Oh, you're good. Um, so yeah, so what I but the thing that I find fascinating about Tommy Lloyd is he's a straight shooter here. People look at him on the sideline and they think, oh, you know, oh shucks, happy go lucky. First of all, he'll get on his players when he needs to, but I keep going back to this. Last year at his opening media day conference, I'll never forget this. He was asked about his this team, and he said, I know what good basketball teams look like. This is a good basketball team. Then he was asked about Christian Coloco and Keep in mind, just for frame of reference, and you know this obviously, but Christian Coloco had played 12 minutes per game the previous year, always getting in foul trouble hands. And he said, I expect him to be in contention for the defensive player of the year in the conference. Lo and behold, both those things happened. And this year I asked him and he said, I expect us to be a tough out, which meaning I expect us to be good. And he said that he thought Pella Larson could compete for the defensive player of the year in the conference, which again, to some people might be like, Pella Larson, but this man's got a track record by this point. Yeah, and you look at uh, at least the media that uh, that put in their predictions for team champion uh, players uh, in the first, second, and third team. And, and Pella's not getting enough attention from other coaches, other media members. Uh, but I tend to agree with you. Tommy knows best uh, in this situation. And Pella could become the most vital player on this year's team. And Tommy was referencing with you – could be the the defensive player of the year yeah. in the conference. I think he could be just as important offensively for us mm-hmm. uh, as he is on that side of the basketball. Uh, and Tommy see it knows guys like this. Uh, I think he's had tons of experience at Gonzaga with maybe not your uber athlete, but your wicked smart high basketball IQ guy who can who can play very well. Uh, on both sides of the basketball. That's a lot of Gonzaga's rosters over the years, especially along the perimeter. Uh, And I think he's right on point. I'm excited about what Pelican bring. And you just look at what his summer was like uh, internationally. He took a step up in competition with that. And that only is going to make it better for this year. And I look at it too. People kind of, and again, he was preseason all conference, but are people maybe sleeping on how good Azulis Tabellis was? Because Azulis Tabellis was the player who, again, he was all conference last year, put up 31 and 8 again on the Mobley brothers. And if you watch Evan Mobley in the NBA, that's a bad dude right there. It almost feels like people have almost kind of forgotten just how good Zoo is. And, you know, obviously struggled at the end of the season, but they should, Zoo could put together a monster year this year. He's got all the tools, uh, right, physically. He's strong. Uh, I think some of the things that maybe he gets knocked down on is he he doesn't finish above the rim in traffic right. when he's under the rim. Uh, right. When he's running, when he gets kind of that running start, he can finish above the rim as well as any running big man in the country. And right. I think Arizona will take advantage of that again with him him pushing and being that great rim runner with the left-hand uh, throwdown. Uh, but Zoo can make a big jump. Now, what he's he's got to recognize is still within what his strengths are. I think that's if I were to coach him, and I'm definitely not a coach, uh, but You've I would want to make some sure that, good ones, though, Rhino. Come I on. appreciate that. Uh, I I do believe that the jump as a sophomore to junior, recognizing okay, now he's preseason first team All Pac-12. He looks around his the other options offensively that were maybe ahead of him. Uh, or at least alongside him now, are not there. Sometimes early on in the season, that can become, now it's my team, now it's my opportunity, I'm going to shoot it every time, I'm going to shoot every three that I have contested or wide open, Uh, I'm going to take every big man off the bounce every time the ball is reversed at the high post. He's got to understand, and I have 
ultimate faith in Tommy that he'll teach through this when is the right time. And the right time will become more frequent than it has right. in the past so because down. of his skill set. But it can't be every single time. I just don't see Azulis at that place in his career. And there's very few in Arizona history that had the ultimate green light. Right. Uh, you look at the last handful of years, Ben Matherin comes to mind and not too many more that had, hey, whenever, whoever, go. Like that right. was the, that was the style of play for Ben. And, and he developed that even as the season went on last year. Is this it? And again, uh, got a couple reads here. Rhino, since you last joined us, we have a ton of advertisers now. So people picking yeah. up right here. Four Peaks Brewery, the official brew of PHNX Sports. Check it out downtown Tempe. We have away game watch parties here. Get about usually 25, 30 people at Tap and Bottle. Four Peaks Brewery there and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers can bet just five bucks on any NBA team to win and get 200 bucks in free plays if you win. You can boost your winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. It's simple. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And if you wanted to bet on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you might want to take the over on Ben Mather and points right there, Rhino. We're going to get to Ben, though, in a few minutes. Um, I wanted to talk about the comparisons, though. I love this. Uh, I love having you on because you literally have a frame of reference for every single team. Uh, I love bothering Matt Muehlbach generally in the evenings when he gets off. And he says, you and Rhino are the only two that can literally remember every single team season. <laughs> so I want to take you back to 1995-96 right here. You got yep. Arizona loses Damon Stoudemire, you know, arguably one of the two or three best players in school history. Goes into the season unranked. You've got a, you got, but you've got a lot of talent. You've got JB, you got Ben Davis. Obviously, you know, uh, Ben was the catalyst throughout the year. And you had a plethora of solid guys around the perimeter. I don't want to put Reggie as solid because he was on that, but there was a, there was a template there. And you guys were able to beat teams up inside, especially early on. Do you think there could be some of that this year with Ballo, with Tabellas, with Vasar, just continuously coming at you while you've got the solid role players on the outside? Yeah, very valid uh, comparison on, on multiple fronts. I'll start with just what we lost in 90 from, you know, into the 95, 96 season. And you mentioned it. Uh, and, and it's a similar comparison. Damon Stoudemire, his senior year, 1995, led the Pac-10 at the time in scoring and assists. So mm -hmm. literally every play went through him. Right. It was a lot of on-ball screens at the top of the key. It was our one and four call as we had it with Loot. Loot had five play calls. That was it. And, mm -hmm. and the one and the four were almost very similar plays. Um, and what Damon did for that team in 95 mm -hmm. uh, was set the table for, for so, many, so much of his teammates and then obviously led the league in scoring. Uh, we have similar type of transitions, right? You look at how Arizona scored in last season a lot of ball movement led the nation in assists mm -hmm. per game so let's not be crazy to think that it was just ben matherin right uh, but the way in which arizona scored last year is going to have to be different this year based on personnel uh, and i do think that that is a very valid comparison when you look at the experience of the core players you've got kirk creese entering into his third year julius tabellis in his third year pella larson in his third year umar balo i believe is in his fourth year mm -hmm. um, you've got some solid if not better than solid much like you mentioned right. uh, with arizona's returners into that 95 96 season uh, but no one is going to probably average north of 
18, 19 points per game. I, I right. think Azulis has the the potential. I think Pell is going to be a double-digit scorer for sure. I think Umar Balo is going to be a double-digit scorer, but I don't see them in the upper teens pushing into the 20s. Right. Uh, and so how Arizona scores is going to be very much different, but the ball movement and the culture and the offensive flow that Tommy started with that foundation last year I think will really pay dividends on a year this year. It did last year too, trust me. But this year when you don't have Ben Matherin, go get us a bucket anytime we need it. We will rely on more team flow this year than even we did last year. And so I just don't anticipate a huge dip offensively. It will be done differently. Right. There will be times, end of shot clock, end of half, end of games that are close. We're going to have to figure out a way of, you know, the question is, who's the go-to guy? Who? Well, guess what? There's not a lot of teams across the country that have the one guy that's going to go get his and can right. get it night in and night out in any given year. So Tommy's built that offensive flow foundation, and it's very comparable to that transition from the 95 team to the 96 team. I'm not sure that I'm. there's a player I'm more excited to see this year, quite frankly, than Umar Ballo. Now, when Umar came in, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know if he was just a practice guy. You know, was he a Gene Edgerson? You get in there, you kind of rough people around a little bit, then you go out. But then after, you know, I, there was a game where he had like 13 and 11, and you saw that, you know, he had some skills. You got the five block shots in the Pac-12 tournament uh, uh, finals. Then he comes back this year, and you could tell he's revamped his entire body because I think one of his weaknesses last year was against quick teams. He was a little bit out of, pay, uh, you know, out of his element. I'm really excited this year, Rhino, to see what he can do because he far out, or he far surpassed my expectations last year. And, and out outpaced the expectations and did it in such a short time frame. Yeah. Uh, like you said, the, maybe the potential was there, and I think it was. I think Tommy would not have had him transfer down if he didn't see that upside. Uh, but I, I was surprised as well. Uh, and, and some of it was just because he didn't have, you didn't have film. You didn't have right. film on Balo. He didn't get a chance. And, and how could he based on who he was playing behind uh, with Gonzaga? He's had now opportunity and that opportunity is going to become even more open to him. But boy, that front line looks pretty formidable. Uh, when you look at what Azulis, Balo, Vaser, even Dylan Anderson in practice, his, uh, I don't mm -hmm. want to, put too much expectations on Dylan. So let's, let's be cautious mm -hmm. with these phrases. Uh, but Dylan could have, could right. have a similar trajectory of early success that we saw Balo last year, because I think a lot of people have the same expectations or similar low bar for Dylan Anderson this year to be a, a contributing player consistently. I think he could surprise some people and he is legitimately 6'11", if, if not pushing seven feet. So you look at that front line led by Balo, um, there's a lot of good pieces there and, and Umar's retooling of his physical, uh, mix and strength he's got the length already he's got the size there there's bright skies ahead for for Balo I'd like to see a little bit of an AJ Bramlett uh, career trajectory for Dylan Anderson you come in obviously you're you know first of all he's well put together he's put on some really good weight and no um, and he's not clunky he can move pretty well I mean again he's not DeAndre Ayton but he can move pretty well and you look at him and you're like this guy could be this guy could be real problems in a year or two. Again, I'm not expecting a ton this year, but you can certainly see where Tom what Tommy Lloyd sees, and he looks like that kind of guy that Gonzaga gets, sits him for a year or two, and then oh, by the way, they're averaging 13 and seven as a sophomore or a junior.
Right. Smart player, uh, right. hard, hard working player. I love his, his on court effort. Uh, and sometimes I've saw witnessed a couple times in practice, uh, early on as a freshman, your effort sometimes, uh, can help you overcome, uh, some lack of physicality or, or strength. Uh, and sometimes it, it gets misguided, right. And your, right. your effort just but gets you out of position. But as he learns the system, I couldn't agree more that come, come his junior year, uh, I think he could be a very reliable player on both ends of the basketball because of his his mental game, his motor, uh, and his physical traits, you know, f- filling out into that body and understanding it better. But I think he'll have moments this year. Uh, mm-hmm, I agree. I, just, I don't think it's going to be consistently eight points and seven rebounds uh, night in, night out. Right. Uh, but I could I could see him in in pinches in moments where we need to guys have foul trouble. I don't see this massive drop off. Now, you know, again, we will see come next week with the first exhibition game and then the, the first two home games the following week if our assertions are true that he is ready to go. Uh, but I do like what I see so far with Dylan. I think it's a little uh, my expectations have raised just a little bit because mm-hmm. honestly, it was almost a is he a redshirt candidate? Right. Exactly. Honest. Right. And, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm of this opinion, too, with Tommy Lloyd, with the way that he's been able to coach people, with the way that he's been able to evaluate. Because a lot of people were out on Dylan Anderson because, you know, his ranking dropped and, you know, his high school ranking dropped. I don't really care. If he's good enough for Tommy Lloyd, then he's good enough for me. I mean, you look at the man's track record and what he wants to develop. And I think people also need to look at it. Lloyd, and again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with what, you know, Miller did, but Lloyd has a different philosophy than Miller. Whereas, you know, Miller would lose four or five stars. He'd bring in four or five stars. You can tell that Lloyd is far more interested in kind of, not that Miller wasn't, but internal improvement and getting guys in here that are the right fit year in and year out that you can grow with. And, you know, you can win basketball games both ways. So, I think a lot of people say, well, I just want to see the McDonald's All-Americans. You know this better than anybody watching Loot Up Close. JT was not close to being a McDonald's All-American. Damon wasn't close to being it. You know, Mike D, Miles Simon, these guys, these were not McDonald's All-Americans, but they were they had the potential to be. And I think that's what Tommy Lloyd's got going for him. If you look at Tommy's, you know, motto, mission, however you want to, you know, want to think about it, regardless of your rankings, regardless of if you're going to be on campus for 10 months and be a one and done, it's all about player development. And if that right. player development uh, timeline is 10 months, then so be it. We're going to develop you. Uh, if it's four years, we're going to develop you. And and I think with that as your focus and you start there and work backwards into how do you fill out your roster Uh, Tommy's got a good approach and I think he's looking at a more well-rounded approach in regards to uh, we we do need a healthy mix of of some uber talented guys that could be a one and done could be athletically inclined to a point where you're only going to see him on campus for one year but you you swing the pendulum too far in that direction uh, and you have you have to refill the apple cart every single year problematic you swing it the other way and all you have is developmental guys you guys get enough time do you are you able to turn around a program like arizona as quickly as you can you can't swing it too far that way either uh and so i'm hopeful that tommy is able to to get what i believe he wants is that healthy mixture kylan boswell fits fits that exactly. mold uh, mm-hmm. when you look at pushing the envelope of a McDonald's All-American level player. I don't think he's one and done, but I think he is at that high level ranking. So we're starting to see Tommy sprinkle in, and he's obviously hot on the recruiting trail, which is not today's focus uh, of, of our talk. But the recruiting focus that he's looking at, I think, is that healthy mix. 
No, no doubt. I got a couple players I wanted to ask you about and some comparisons real quick, though. Morefurniture.com, M-O-R-Furniture.com. They've redone the entire PHNX studios. If you want, if you have cool stuff like Rhino does in there and you want to get some really cool furniture, you know, to put with your U of A mementos, check out Morefurniture.com and Tap and Bottle. Again, the place to be for all Arizona basketball and football away game watch parties. Come hang out with me, drink a couple beers, and we can talk and back the A. Uh, tap and Bottle downtown, great times. Okay, Adama, Adama Ball. Um, people ask me about him, and I have, first of all, I'm, I'm a big fan. And you could tell by the, the end of the year when Tommy Lloyd was asked about him, and he said, Probably, should, maybe should have played him a little bit sooner. That was, you know, but he said, you know, we were pumping the brakes because he's younger. If Adama Ball was to average four points a game this year, wouldn't surprise me if he's averaged 10 points a game this year. It wouldn't surprise me. To me, Rhino, he is the ultimate wild card. Maybe a Michael Dickerson type going into his sophomore year. Couldn't agree more on let's let's continue to pump the brakes on him. I His uh, offensive output and productivity per minute played at the end of the year was off the charts. Right. Uh, and that excited all of us, right? I mean, he hit some very timely buckets in the Pac-12 tournament. Uh, offensively, he was even important in the TCU game where he came off the bench mm-hmm. and was a little bit of a, a microwave uh, type of an offensive yeah. player. Vinny Johnson, uh, yeah. Yeah, he was there. And, and so – it's easy for fans, it's easy for you and I to try to project that out and say, ah, if we saw that at the end of the year, then he's just going to become Mike D, right? He's going right. to be, as a sophomore, he's going to average double digits. I, I want to pump the brakes a bit because I of agree. his age. Uh, he is still very, very young. And as you extrapolate minutes, the expectation of you becoming a more well-rounded player then start to weigh on you and start to, to you kind of start poking holes a little bit. With the makeup of the roster last year, it's not that Adama didn't have to defend, but he really didn't have to defend when he was right. out there with Dalen, Christian, Ben. Got a lot of people he, cleaning up mistakes. Right. He wasn't responsible for defending one of the best offensive players on the opposing team. If he made a mistake, he had an eraser behind him. Uh, we still have some good size. But I I agree with you that who I'm very intrigued. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can see a confidence in him, and I know he is a is an extremely hard worker. We talked about this at the end of, of the season last year. After every home game, there was one guy out yeah. of the locker yeah. room right away getting work done, and it was Adama Ball. Right. Uh, now, he didn't play as much last year, so that is part of a routine that you like to see. Guys that don't get played in time in a game are getting extra work in, not just to make themselves better, but just to keep their, their physical stamina up. So I like that because he appears to be a gym rat, and gym rats typically make the best jumps. Uh, you know, you may not have all the physical tools, but uh, I think Adama, I want to pump the brakes. I just don't envision if I were to, to make a prediction and, and you said it right, it could be four points, it could be 10 points. And, and I don't know, right. I think it's going to be probably closer to four, but it could be 10, 12, 16 on any given night, right? It, exactly. it may not be every night, but I think he could go off, go three for four from the three point line, hit a couple runners and layups uh, in a game where he's really feeling it and the matchups right where it wouldn't surprise me if he went for 16 on a couple of nights in succession in the Pac-12. But then I just don't see him yet doing that night in and night out. So that that would be, if you had one phrase, pump the brakes on Adama. (laughs) Yeah, and and that's the thing too. Like you said, Rhino, he's 18 and a half. You know, Tommy Lloyd talked about it. Um, 
you know, Tommy Lloyd talked about it up in Phoenix earlier this summer where he said, you get kids now that are double holdbacks that are coming in as 20-year-old freshmen, and now you've got Adama who's coming in as a 17-year-old. He said, you don't see that very much anymore. So people need to, again, there's a lot of talent there. People also like what they've seen limited, limited doses right there. And I will say, he is enticing because when he made the three, the one that really stuck in my mind, though, was when he made the pull-up or the pull-up uh, – I can't remember. It was, I think it was in the NCAA tournament and it was yeah, like, it was transition three. Yeah. It was like, Whoa, I did not see that because that's generally the last part of a guy's game to develop like that. And he shot it with confidence. Now, Kirk Creesa here, speaking of gym rats, I, well, here's what I want out of Kerr. And Kerr gets beat up a lot. I love Kerr because I love anybody that's going to take big shots. And a lot of guys say they want big shots. Kerr will take it. He might not make it, but he wants it. All I'd like to see from him, 40% from the field, 40% from three. He's got that in him. Um, boost those percentages up five or six points, and I think the rest takes care of itself. You know, Mike, um, every year some of the same questions come come to mind. You, you use the phrase, I think Adama is the is maybe the biggest wild card. Mm-hmm. The next, the next most commonly used phrase on October 28th is who's the X factor? Right. If they do more than what you expect. Arizona's going to have a great season. If they do less than, who's the one pivot point guy? I don't know if it's Kerr because it could be Umar Balo and it could be mm-hmm. Pella probably just as much. And, and Azulis is maybe even higher than that. If Azulis right. plays at the Pac-12 player of the year status right now, we're talking. But Kerr Kreese, a ball in his hands, uh, initiator of offense, uh, really probably an underrated passer. I think when you look at his stats, I don't think he gets enough credit for his assists per game. Uh, 4.7 last year. I mean, that's good stuff. That will go up this year because it's going to have to. Um, I I agree with you on his shooting percentages and his decision-making. Those two coupled together, he's going to have to make a jump for Arizona and become the consistent, productive player. And then when I say productive, again, doesn't need to lead the league in assists doesn't need to lead the league in points, uh, but he has to be reliable night in and night out to get you 10 points. He's got to be reliable night in and night out to dish out five assists a game. And you can't have him have four turnovers. He needs to limit the one for 12 nights uh, and recognize what PGA golfers do. And I've talked to some guys that have been very good golfers at the U of A just barely missing out on consistently playing in the PGA Tour, like Chris Nalen and some other U of A guys. And and their analogy was this. They said, the PGA guys, it's not that they can shoot 67 on any given round. It's that they don't blow up on the third round of right. a four-round tournament. They minimize they go the 85. Minimize right. mistakes. I think that's where, to me, where Kirk Risa can make the biggest jump is minimize mistakes in regards to turnovers minimize the blowups. I don't, we don't need 0 for 14. Uh, we can't have 0 for 8 from the three-point line. If it's not his night, he has to recognize how he can impact the game in a positive way that may not be knocking down the deep three and just minimize mistakes. And that will be, as a floor general, maybe the most important thing for him, for Arizona.
Speaking of some guys, too, that uh, Courtney Ramey and Cedric Henderson Jr. So they both come in. And first of all, I love everything that I've heard from both of them. Uh, we had Cedric Henderson Sr. on who played in the NBA for about five years. And he said that the thing that really attracted him about Tommy Lloyd was that he came in there and he said, your son, you know, we got to get his motor up a little bit, but he can really be a defender. He can be a finisher for us. And Courtney Ramey said much of the same thing. So you got kids coming in here that, I mean, and Cedric Henderson put up 18 and 11 on Duke last year. I mean, he, he can play. And uh, uh, Courtney Ramey was an all big 12 guy as a junior and all, uh, all defense. And they came in talking about defense and about how Tommy Lloyd talked about how they could fit a very specific and important role right here. Getting guys to buy in that early, especially ones that all have pro hopes, that's a real feather in the cap to these kids and to Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, and I, I do look at the rest of the roster for, for the recruitment of those guys. Uh, I know Kirk Creesa might have been the most important recruiter mm -hmm. of Courtney Ramey through this entire process to get him to Arizona. Of, of can you, you know, I want to play with you and here's how it's going to go. And, and you're hearing it from me, not from Tommy or Jack Murphy, uh, right. who is leading those charges. Uh, you know, anytime in this era, you know, schools are going to sprinkle in those transfers. And, and what are you looking for, guys, for the most part? Uh, I just don't, I haven't seen guys become brand new players uh, when they make, and especially in Cedric's case, a move from a mid-level to, to a higher right. level night in, night right. out. Uh, they, you really kind of are who you are. So if you're a, if you have the ability to defend at the mid-level and, and you can score consistently in certain ways uh, that I think Cedric is not going to be a knockdown shooter, but he's going to get garbage buckets. He's going to get transition buckets. And I, I use garbage buckets and people can turn that into, oh gosh, he has no offensive game. Let's not go there. That's not what right. I'm saying. But I think he's got a motor to get you. Mm -hmm. The ball kind of goes to him. He's a little bit of a magnet when I've watched him. It's just he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, and Courtney has the ability to, to be a, a, a very good three-point shooter, but you don't use the phrase prolific. I don't think he's going to be a prolific perimeter scorer. How, how about timely? I like timely. I like the maturity of these guys. I like the, the second chance opportunity for them and recognizing we want to play at Arizona because we want to be on the big stage. We want to play for championships uh, and we want to be a part of a culture that it's not just us taking over. It's us as being a critical piece to that operation. And that's probably the most exciting thing for me in my interactions and, and watching and observations of those two guys is recognizing how they can help the team uh, and it may not be in points every night. It's going to be Courtney Ramey's going to get in your shorts defensively. I love watching him defend on the perimeter. And that's not sexy, Mike. That's right. in a lot of cases, that's not glamorous. That's not going to get you on SportsCenter's top 10 right. uh, list every night. But what it's going to do is going to help the team. And right. it's going to fill a void uh, where where we need more great perimeter defenders. Uh, and, and so I love those two insertions for the maturity, the recognition of roles. Uh, and that's maybe the most important piece when you bring in four-year transfers like this through the portal is recognizing who they can be versus who they really aspire and want to be. If they know who they are and, and recognize that, that's even better for Arizona and, and any team. All right, Rhino, I wanted to ask you a little bit before because we got practice get to go to at one o'clock. And by the way, when I got that email, um, I was in the process of texting you saying, hey, can we move this earlier? Because get yep. to go watch practice, which is I've all, that's all I've been thinking about. But then to me, when, when I think of the best NBA player from the U of A, 
He didn't have the longest career, but Gilbert Arenas to me is always the standard. He's the one guy where you're like, man, at one point he was one of the five, six best players in the league. Obviously, that was a shorter window. You can make cases for other people. I watch Ben Matherin now, and I started to think it a little bit towards the end of the year. But with his ability to score at all three levels, with his ability to be able, first of all, he's got a lot more wiggle off the bounce than he did as a freshman now, where he can get people off the, you know, off of either a hesitation, you know, around. I look at Ben Matherin and I wonder to myself, could this be a guy could be a 23, 24 point per game guy in the league? Because I think he's got that potential there at Rhino. And there's not a lot of players that I've thought that about. There's been a lot of players I thought were 17, 18 point per game guys. Ben might have a little bit of a next level type feel to him. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong on any observation there. And, and when you, I'm with you on Gilbert Arenas um, and, I, and the greatest NBA player to ever play at Arizona is a very ambiguous phrase. Cause you just mm-hmm. said it, is it longevity? Well, Andre and Jason Terry are in pretty good company. Is yeah. it championships? Andre takes that hands down. Is it all-star game appearances? Sean Elliott's in the mix. Um, and it, it's, it's a difficult thing. I've, Sorry, Steve Kerr championships. I can't mm-hmm. forget his his rings. Steve will be okay um, with the omission. <laughs> I think he's fine with that. He's not going to come hunt me down. Uh, but you you do look at what Ben's able to do, and I I will throw this in there. I think Tommy's one year with Ben is going to make him such a, a better NBA player because he created a more well rounded all around offensive star. Right. Uh, the ability to pass off the bounce, uh, negotiate on ball screens. Uh, at the end of the year, Ben and Christian was our was maybe our best offensive right. tandem when it came to pin downs and, and on ball screen actions on the wing or at the top of the key because you just loved what Ben's know how because he could step back and hit a three behind a, an on ball. He could turn the corner, stop and pop. He could finish in traffic. He's throwing lobs right. to Coloco. He's hitting you know Dalen Terry in the corner for threes that translated so well to the NBA and we're seeing that already. Uh, what I, what I really looked to in this first, what four to five four games, games of yeah. Ben's career in the NBA, his four game career, 104 points, right? Mm-hmm. Rick Carlisle's trust and a, a confidence to give him the ball and say, get your shot. You look at right. his shot attempts for rookies that are not starting yeah, he's up there with Paolo. He's he has more shot attempts, I think, in two of the four games he's played than even his starting guys that, that at, at similar spots or even across the the landscape of the box score. So knowing that Rick Carlisle, who mm-hmm. has Great as point. much Great experience point. in the league as anybody, says you're the guy, and I'm just having you off the bench for now. I think it's a matter of time before he gets inserted in the starting lineup, and that he's saying get your shot. Uh, I think that speaks volumes about Ben's upside and, and ceiling in the NBA to be a prolific offensive weapon. All right. Before we sign off here, I've seen Jack Murphy twice now in about the past three weeks. And first of all, Jack Murphy walked by me at McHale and he yelled out, back the A. And he said it twice. Then Jack Murphy also, when I was at a practice about two weeks ago, looked down at the A on the court and said, back the A. Jack Murphy, even if he won't publicly acknowledge, which I think he would, is part of the back the A movement. Ryan Hansen, can, will you join the back the A movement? Join Jack Murphy in this. Well, I'm gonna, it might have not been officially documented, but I have been backing the A for a long time. But let's put it on record right now. It's t- if you're not backing the A, it's time to back the A today. 
Uh, and so I hope all your listeners, everybody that's watching, I have a feeling they're already on the movement because there is a significant movement. I mean, the Catran shuttle is every single day roaming the streets of campus, backing the A. Uh, and I'm excited about what you got going on here, Mike. It's, it's great. Rhino, I can't thank you enough, my man. I'm going to hop in the shower and head to practice, and I will see you I'll up see there, you there. All see right, you man. See It's going to be fun. Thanks again. Ryan Hansen, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Thank you.